The scripture reading this morning comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 1, verses 18 to 25. Hear the word of the Lord. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit, because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the, Lord, of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife, but he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Crazy story, right? Um, you know, we're in this series called The Cosmic Summons, and uh, you know, each of the stories for Advent that we're gonna, going to be preaching over are kind of calling us into the sort of this mystery of how God through the cosmos, um, does this incredible thing by sending his son to be born among us. This angel who comes, and there's dreams involved, and there's Mary. It's just wild. And, um, you know, Christmas is a time of expected realities, but there are also some inconceivable realities, and those are kind of the two ideas I want to talk to you about uh, of this morning. So let me start with this. Um, recently, my daughter last week went to a white elephant gift exchange, you ever had a white elephant gift exchange? Well, let me tell you, Avery, who is 21, and she's about to graduate Texas A&M, went to this white elephant gift exchange, and she and her fiancé Noah went shopping to buy some stuff, and Noah's a little confused because Avery's actually buying, like, pretty nice gifts, like, you know, a nice $15 gift for stuff. And so they go to this white elephant gift exchange, and the thing to know about Avery is that we've actually done white elephant gift exchanges for a long time with Jamie's side of the family. We did it like every year for years and years and years. And they give things in the white elephant gift exchange like blankets, which become the favorite family blanket um, each year, or a coffee machine, or like Starbucks gift cards, like actual gifts that if you opened, you'd be like, cool, this is great. This is what Avery thought was normal. And so she goes to this college-aged white elephant gift exchange, and she shows up in her festive little, you know, not an elf, but maybe not far off uh, outfit with whites that blink and a little hat on that had a little elf hat on it, and um, she's standing there with Noah, and the first person opens her gift, and her jaw drops, and she's like, well, that is so rude. <laughs> like, who wants that? And Noah's, he's realizing what's happening. He's like, yeah, and the second gift, the third gift, the fourth gift. Avery is so discouraged. Finally, someone opens her gift, and people are like, awesome. Well, that's the gift that gets stolen the next three times until it's out of the rotation. They ended up leaving the party halfway through, and Noah kind of comes to save the day and says, okay, Avery, we're going to Target. And so they go into Target. She turns her lights on. He goes, go wild. You have $20. You can buy <laughs> anything you want in this place, Right. So there are expected things in Christmas, you know, like there are things we understand. There are expected realities in this text, but there are actually the gospel, as we read this gospel of Matthew here, there are inconceivable things that happen as well. 
And it's mind-boggling, and it's, it's actually, don't miss this, it's meant to catch you up in the season where you hear the story again and just your response is, awe, wow, God did this. He sent His Son, Emmanuel, God with us. Okay, so let's start with these expected realities. There are things that are expected. Verse 18, the birth of Jesus the Messiah comes about. Now, this was, this was an idea that the Old Testament people of God had been looking for. If you remember the minor prophets we studied the entire fall, there's, a, there's constantly this anticipation of one who will come and will be the king, and he will be the deliverer, and he will be the Messiah. And it's even before the minor prophets in Genesis chapter 3. Actually, Kyle mentioned it in his prayers of the people. Genesis chapter 3 says this, Cursed are you above all livestock and wild animals, talking to the serpent. You will crawl on your belly, you'll eat dust all the days of your life, and I'll put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. That, that's, a, that's the first picture we see of what God's going to do with the gospel, of crushing death. Now, the offspring that's spoken of in Genesis chapter 3 has a singular referent. If you look it up and you do some studying on it, it's referring specifically to he will come. Not like a general referent. Like the difference between saying, I love all of you and I love Jamie. There's a difference. One's specific, one's general. This is very specific. This is a prophecy in the book of Genesis of one who will come and he will crush the head of death. Jesus is someone that the people of God have been looking for, that a Messiah would come who is so powerful and so magnificent and so wonderful that even death would quiver before Him, that He would be able to crush it. You know, this is something our world needs to hear. You know, I have a dear friend who died in the, in the past just over a week, precious person in this church, and, and, and to walk with her up to that moment and to walk with her husband, um, missing Dorothy already, what does the world, how does it answer the reality of death? The gospel answers it with the resurrection of Jesus. That we are a people who God sent His Son, the Messiah, who has given us something even during this season to anticipate that He's going to do something, He has done something, and very specifically for you, He has the promise of resurrection. There is actually hope, real hope, lasting hope. And this is a story that calls us to actually expect that. Do you think about your relationship with God? And, and in those moments of discouragement, because usually that's the time we think about it, think to yourself, there's really something I can hope in. Something that's more faithful to me than this relationship. Something that's more faithful to me than what my plans were something that's more powerful than what I can come up with on my own, that the God of heaven and earth sent His Son as a baby to dwell among us so that we could expect His grace. Not presume, but expect. God has put us in a relationship with His Son that allows us to actually expect Him to respond to us. One, one author said this, what Jesus brings to us during Christmas is simply this, God, He brings God to us. He makes it possible for us to be, for God to be with us. And Matthew quotes Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, which says this, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. So the fact that Mary becomes pregnant, that God gives her a child, is something that people should have been looking for, and many people were. But there would be some who would learn about it, and, and of course they would oppose it, and eventually they would kill this very child. But God gave them this hope. 
that God would be with you. Now, what does it mean to be with someone? There's different aspects of that even in this text. For Joseph, Joseph had to think about what it would mean to be with Mary now that he has this news. He expected, after he learned this, that Mary had been unfaithful. That was a reasonable expectation. He expected that people would agree with him and that her life might be in danger. She might be stoned for this. He expected that this would expose Mary to public grace, to public disgrace. And so what does Joseph do? What does Joseph plan to do? He plans to divorce her quietly. He's betrothed to her. He had learned to love her parents for sure. He, he, he probably lived in the same like household, which is different than you and I think of a single-family domicile, but they probably lived in a, in a household together. And this was a year before they would actually be married, but they're betrothed, and, and Joseph hears this, and how does he respond? He's gracious to her. He wants to divorce her in quiet. But he had to be asking the question, God, why are you doing this to me? How are you letting this happen? And maybe you've asked that question in your relationship with the Lord. You've thought, God, why are you allowing this thing to happen at this moment? Now, on this side of the story, we see what's happening with Joseph. And we're like, Joseph, just chill, baby. It's cool. Like, this is going to be amazing. But think about what it must have been like for Joseph. Mary, you're pregnant. We had all these plans. There's all these great things. Now this has happened. And Joseph, as we read here, was faithful that he was one who was known to be a follower of the law, that he was one who wanted to, to have this wonderful relationship with Mary, and now he had to ask the question, God, why are you doing this? You're all-powerful. Why are you letting something bad happen to me? I think something we can take away from that, because this happens to us. Not, there are things that happen in our life where we ask God, where are you in this, or why is this happening, or how could you let this happen? God's actually inviting us to remember the mystery of his presence, that he's gracious, that, that he actually has plans. And Joseph had to live into that, to trust that God was who he said he was. And what does God do? God, in the midst of Joseph's sadness, brings him into a story that's so much greater than than himself, but very much includes him with this inconceivable reality. There's a dream. Joseph has this dream, an angel speaks to him and says, I know this seems unlawful. I know this seems impure. I know this seems scandalous, but actually, this is from God. Will you trust me? The season of Advent is an invitation for us to trust God when our minds and our hearts even can't quite put everything together. If you're finding as you study the scriptures and you're finding as you grow in your relationship with Jesus that there's things about God that you just can't totally comprehend, you're actually looking in the right place. You don't need a you version of who God is. You need the, God, the version of God as he is. And there are things about him that, even as we read this story, seem inconceivable to us. Consider this again. First, this is humanly scandalous, what's happened to Mary. You know, a scandal is an event or an action that's regarded as morally or legally wrong, causing general public outrage. This certainly meets that standard of Mary being pregnant with no explanation except for a dream she had until Joseph has his dream. It's scandalous to Mary. It's scandalous for her to be pregnant. But it's not actually scandalous to God. And I just think about what it would have been like to be alive during that time and to be sitting with Mary, maybe as her pastor, and her telling me this is happening. Would I have judged? Yeah, probably. Would I, would I have said this is not morally pure? Probably. But this is not legal? Yes. And yet God is saying, the picture is bigger than you understand. Actually, this is exactly according to my plan. God is being gracious to her. 
in the midst of her shame, in the midst of what appears to be scandal, he's being gracious to her and inviting her into a story. Another inconceivable reality, that grace will abound. Again, when Joseph finds out, what does he plan to do? He decides to quietly divorce her. You don't read anything about him being vindictive or manipulative or trying to shame her or even trying to make himself look good. All we read is that Joseph, who was faithful to the law and didn't want to expose Mary to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. He's like, what do I do with this? I think there's something we can kind of learn about what it means to be gracious to even people we think deserve maybe the brunt of our frustration. But God enters in. After he considered this, an angel of the Lord appears to him and says, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. That is inconceivable. And it is kind of a one-time thing. That's the spirit of what we celebrate during Advent, that God's grace abounds even in the midst of places we don't quite understand. He says, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife because what's conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son. You're to give him his name, Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. I think it's very interesting here. The first thing the angel says to Joseph, right? Don't be afraid. Don't live out of fear. What is that? Why, why does the angel say to him, don't be afraid? Well, part of it is because he doesn't understand how this could actually be what God wants. And yet this messenger is being sent to tell Joseph, actually, this is precisely what God is going to do. In other words, Joseph, don't be afraid of what might happen. Have faith in what I've said is going to happen. Don't, be, don't, don't put your hope in what might happen. Put your hope in what I've actually said. Don't be afraid. This is from God. You know, for Joseph, he hears um, this response, and what does he do? All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. They will call him Emmanuel. And when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. Do you see the complete change of direction? What he was afraid of was that Mary would be disgraced, and so he wanted to divorce her quietly. But what he does once he hears from God through this messenger is exactly what God says. He says, okay, I'm going to take her home to be, be my wife, and I'm going to name him Jesus. 1 John chapter 4 reminds us there's no, there's no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. For Joseph, God gives him by grace the ability to say, you know what? I'm not going to live into what I think might happen. I'm going to trust in what you said will happen. I want you to think about that for yourself and for your family, even during this season of Advent. God has said he has sent his son, that his grace will be sufficient for you, that the mystery of this story is meant to make you think, man, God does things that I would never come up with. Right, exactly. That's the God of heaven and earth, and he invites you into trusting in his love. And that's the third inconceivable reality, that by trusting in God's love, he'll make you part of this great story. Think about Mary again. Mary's calling in this story. It's obvious she'll be the mother of God. Think about Joseph. Joseph's calling in this story. He's going to be the one that gets to raise Jesus with Mary. He's going to be the one who wipes the snot off his nose, who bounces him on his knee, who teaches him things. They're invited to this incredibly dignifying story. Or think about the angel. Even the angel is given a place in the story. I'm going to send you to go tell Joseph to not trust in his fear of what might happen, 
but to actually trust in what I have said is going to happen because I've been saying it for thousands of years. I'm going to crush the head of death. I'm going to send my son. I've said it through the prophets, and the time has come. Joseph begins to believe the inconceivable. He begins to believe in what seems completely unreasonable. And so what does it mean for us to celebrate those two things, the expected realities and the inconceivable realities? Just to keep it, just to keep it real simple, what it means is for us to actually believe that both those things are true, to have faith. What does God want you to expect this season of Advent? Okay, Part of what He wants you to expect is to hear this story again and, and to expect for your heart to be warmed by it, but also caught up into the mystery of it. There are just questions we ask about uh, this text when we read it, and God's answer for now is, well, it's right here. That's it. There are also parts of this that remind us that God draws near to those we think he might not draw near to. That God calls us into things and makes us part of his story because his story is so much more grand, and he's inviting us to participate in it. I would challenge you, even this season, to ask the question of how does the mystery of what God has done in the Incarnation His grace to involve us in his story. How does that provoke you to echo his love towards others? Maybe it's in your family or in your neighborhood, at your school, at your workplace. But what might it mean to begin to pray, God, please make the reality of what happened on Christmas real for this person. They seem to be without hope. There's a hope for them in the power of this story. Our world longs for this. It longs to have a hope that can't be shaken by pandemics or by death or by anything else. And God has given it to us in His Son, Jesus. St. Augustine said this in the 4th century, Our hearts are restless until they rest in you. It's one of my favorite quotes. Our hearts are restless until they rest in you. This week or this month, whenever you discover a deep sense of restlessness, God's actually calling you to remember the mystery, the inconceivable realities of what He's done during Uh, that we celebrate during Advent, and to appropriate those for yourself by faith. God, you have come. I know your presence because Jesus is Emmanuel. Now, our souls long for the one that Joseph names, and God's inviting you in. All right, let me me close with this quote. This is uh, from St. Augustine's Christmas sermon. Just for us to think about the mystery of the story. He writes this, Let us then joyfully celebrate the coming of our salvation and redemption. Let us celebrate the festive day on which He who is the great and eternal day came from the great and endless day of eternity into our own short day of time. He has become our justice, our sanctification, our redemption, so that as it is written, let him who glories glory in the Lord. Truth then has arisen from the earth. Christ, who said, I am the truth, was born of the virgin, and justice looked down from heaven because believing in this newborn child, man is justified not by himself, but by God. Truth has arisen from the earth because the word was made flesh. Ponder those things. God came as a child so that you and I could know forgiveness. We could know, we could know restoration. We could have a, a paradigm for how to reconcile with one another, that God has loved us while we're his enemies, that we could love one another, even if we're in the category of enemy, that God might bring his kingdom to bear in our lives. Okay? Let's celebrate now as we approach the Lord's Supper. Lord Jesus, the expected realities from this text that you would send your son, we are so grateful for that you sent him to the virgin, that one day he would grow up 
named by his father Joseph, and become our Lord and our King. And I would pray for myself and for each of my brothers and sisters here this morning that maybe this Advent season, your Holy Spirit would really encourage us and really call us into faith, into trusting and living, not in, in fear of what might happen, but to live in light of what you said will happen, that He will come again. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.